And hi, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, welcome, whether you are participating online or joining us at our campus here in, in Waukesha or Pewaukee. Uh, so good to have you uh, with us. Before I get started, I want to let you know in two weeks, we have a historic weekend, a really special weekend. We do something that we call the Big Offering uh, Giveaway, October 2nd and 3rd. We're going to take the offering that weekend, every single penny of it, and we're giving it away to meet important needs in the lives of people locally, uh, regionally, and globally. Take a look. God has called us to simply love people so that they know him. October 2nd and 3rd, we're hosting our big offering giveaway where every penny of our offering will go directly to support four key focus areas of community partners and ministry. Together, we can make a huge impact for Jesus. I'm excited to share about how we can simply honor families. We've come alongside great community partners who honor families with a hand up during crisis with family care, shelter, and affordable housing. They honor families seeking support with dignity. Recently, Melissa Sanko, CEO for Habitat of Humanity for Waukesha, shared their vision. My name is Melissa Sanko. I'm the CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Waukesha County. Our mission is seeking to put God's love into action. We build homes, communities, and hope for people in need. Our vision is a world where everyone has a simple, decent, affordable place to call home. I love that Habitat brings people from all walks of life together to do something amazing for the community and for families and to see folks uh, put up a wall that revitalizes the neighborhood and that changes a family's life forever is, is just really exciting. So the homes we're building on Grandview are going to be the future home of the Rodriguez family uh, and they're going to be moving in, in next spring as well as the Lloyd family. Yeah, we're excited that Grandview will work all through the all through the winter, and will you know be able to dedicate and bless those houses next spring. Um, so there's still a lot of work left on the Grandview properties. Our partnership with River Glen has been tremendous. You know, I feel like the church has has risen us up and carried us along, especially in you know the difficult times with COVID. Understanding you know, we're going to sort of meet you where you are uh, in terms of volunteers. And so the energy, the enthusiasm, the care and the appreciation to give back to the community has been tremendous. And we, we couldn't do our work without our partnership with River Glen and the financial support, the volunteer support, the moral support, uh, and just the community support is, is tremendous. We are excited that River Glen has a five-year plan to work with Habitat in building five homes in five years. Join us in simply honoring families through our big offering giveaway. We are really excited about the big offering giveaway. If you'd like to see some more videos of our partners, go to our website. You can watch those. Don't miss October 2nd and 3rd. Marnie and I, we're looking forward to giving our largest gift of the year that weekend. We'd love to have you uh, join us. I want to encourage you to pray about it and uh, do give. Give. All right, well, today I want to start and ask you to think back to a time this summer. Think back to a time this summer when somebody offended you or somebody wronged you and you felt hurt or angry or uh, bitter. It may help you to close your eyes and visualize. That's fine uh, to do. And maybe it was something really little. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the restaurant took twice as long to bring your food, or uh, maybe the uh, 
barista didn't get your license, or maybe somebody stole your parking spot. Maybe your spouse or your kids avoided unloading the dishwasher for the 17th time in a row. Maybe it's something minor. Maybe it's something really small. Maybe it's something big. And maybe you keep rehearsing it in your mind. The anger just simmers beneath the surface and occasionally boils over. Maybe a coworker, you know, did something cruel uh, to you. Maybe a friend betrayed you. Maybe, maybe you've got an ex that just tries to make your life uh, miserable. Think to a time somebody offended you or wronged you. And if you can't think of something off the top of your head, give it a few minutes. Give it more thought because sometimes it's really easy for us to see hurt, anger, bitterness in other people. And it's difficult to see it in ourselves. Uh, so someone can hurt you or offend you. And uh, you may not even realize how uh, you have responded uh, to it. Today I want to talk about how do we respond to those hurts and wrongs. Because if the issue goes unaddressed, unresolved, it can lead to bitterness or unforgiveness. Today we continue with the series. It's called Simplify. Many people say, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. I'm frustrated. And oftentimes what we do is we blame externals. You know, it's just all the things I got to get done around the house. It's just the demands and the stress of my job. It's just a conflict with a, with a neighbor or a, a relative. But what if the real issue is more internal? What if the issue is a soul cluttered with anger, bitterness, uh, uh, and, and hurt? Because anger and bitterness can keep us from enjoying the good things of life. It's kind of like this, kind of like taking a picture with your phone. Maybe you've done this before where you're at maybe a kid's event or maybe it's a beautiful sunset and you want to take a picture. So you take out your phone, but your phone has those famous words, storage full. And so you start deleting, deleting things really uh, quickly to try and, and make enough space uh, to take a picture before the sunset goes away. Holding on to hurt and anger and bitterness does the same thing to our souls. It crowds out space for enjoying the good things of, of life. This idea of simplifying and uncluttering, it uh, reminds me of this woman that I've seen on uh, TV. Her name is Marie Kondo. How many of you have seen Marie Kondo on, on TV at some point? She's got a real popular uh, series on Netflix called Tidying Up. I, uh, my wife and I watched uh, one of these uh, episodes uh, uh, recently. I think I made it about halfway uh, through. Tidying Up's not my idea of uh, entertainment. I, didn't, I did not binge watch but what's fascinating to me about Marie is how she's built up such a following. She sold millions and millions of books. And get this, Time Magazine lists her as one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. And it's because she helps people simplify, simplify and unclutter their closets and organize uh, their homes. And so a closet that looks you know, kind of like mine, my closet... Uh, she helps you uh, simplify, and it looks more like this. looks more like my wife's uh, closet. And I love the question that Marie tells people to ask when they're deciding what to keep and what to get rid of. She says, take a clothing item in your hand and ask this question, does it spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, it's creating clutter and stress and needs to go. And you know what? That's what the message is really about today. It's about simplifying and cleaning out your closet and, and simplifying and uncluttering your soul by getting rid of, of things that don't spark joy. 
getting rid of hurt and anger and, and, and bitterness because they keep us from enjoying the good things in life. So how do we unclutter our soul? Well, take a look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty straight and direct. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of uh, malice. This word bitterness means anger simmering simmering emotion under the surface in your life. The word anger here carries the idea of a white, hot temper. And Paul says, get rid of these things because they clutter your soul. And then he tells us how to get uh, rid of them. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, I know as soon as I mention the word forgiveness, all kinds of thoughts start running through your mind. I don't know if I want to forgive. I don't know if I can uh, forgive. I tried, but I can't uh, forgive. But oftentimes when we talk about forgiveness, we focus on what's required from us to forgive. Today, I want to focus more on what forgiveness can do for us. You know, I've heard it said this way, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I mean, you think You're doing something to hurt the other person, and the person you're hurting the most is you. Author Lewis Smedes put it this way, to forgive is to set a prisoner and discover that prisoner was you. Forgiveness sets you free to smile and enjoy your life and meaningful relationships. Now, before we dive in and talk about what forgiveness is, I want to talk a little bit about what it's not. Forgiveness, first of all, It's not excusing, you know, it's not uh, minimizing, uh, diminishing what the other person did. It's not saying, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. No. Uh, Forgiveness is also, it's not always reconciling. It's not putting yourself right back into the same situation so that person can do the same thing. Again, sometimes it means setting up boundaries. Reconciliation is always a good goal, but sometimes it's not wise. Sometimes it's not possible. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness just takes one. And then forgiveness is not forgetting. You ever heard the old, the old, uh, the old statement, forgive and forget? Do you know some people, I, I didn't realize this until I did a little bit of study on it this week, that, that some people actually base this on the Bible. Yeah, some Christians will read uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verses like this, where God says, I'll forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their Sin. Some Christians believe when it says God doesn't remember sins that he, he can't even recall them. So you, you might pray and you might say, God, you remember that candy bar I stole in second grade? And God's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. God gets like this amnesia when it comes to our sins. But is that true? Because the Bible makes it clear God knows everything. God is omniscient. He knows everything, past, present, and future. So it seems kind of odd that he wouldn't remember our sins in the sense that he can't even recall them. But when you dig into this a little bit more, you discover that's not what this means at all. When the Bible uses the word remember, oftentimes it uses that word in a relational sense. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 8, after, after uh, God flooded the earth, uh, it, it says God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. So, you know, does that mean... That, you know, an angel had to, you know, like tap God on the shoulder and say, hey, God, you forgot Noah. God, turn off the hose. You're flooding everything. And God's like, oh, yeah, now I remember Noah. No, 
Uh, that, that's, that's not what this verse means. It means Noah was on God's mind. Uh, God was going to renew his relationship with Noah. In the same way when Scripture says God doesn't remember our sins, it means our sins are not on his mind. Our sins don't prevent us from having a relationship with him. And this is important because it, it, it means uh, forgiveness means, doesn't mean that you just wipe your memory, you just erase your memory. I mean, that's impossible, and it may not even be a good idea. Here's what it means when Scripture says God doesn't remember our sins. It means that God cancels the debt that our sins owe. Jesus affirms this definition in the most famous teaching he ever gave on forgiveness. It's, it's found in Matthew chapter 18. It begins with the disciple Peter asking a question. Peter says, uh, Jesus, how, how often should I forgive someone who forgives or, or who sins against me? Uh, seven times? That's a great question. How many times should you forgive? Some people say one, you know, I'll give you one mulligan and then that's it. Some people say, no, three times, you know, kind of like baseball, you know, three strikes and you're out. Peter suggests Seven times. But to really appreciate Peter's uh, question, we need to understand some things about first century culture. You know, for many of us today, we understand the concept of forgiveness. You know, many of us, we teach our kids to forgive. But nobody taught that. Nobody taught that way in the first century. If somebody offended you or wronged you in the first century, you had an obligation to retaliate or reciprocate. They viewed these conflicts on a line between people. And so, you know, if you, uh, if you wrong me, okay, if you sin against me, I'm going to wrong you uh, back more and, and likely even worse so you don't do it again. Uh, historian David Ahn put it this way, ancient Greek popular morality was pervaded by the assumption that one should help one's friends and harm one's enemies. According to Aristotle, revenge or retaliation is just, noble, and courageous. They viewed retaliation as courageous and noble. And so if somebody wrongs you or worse, wrongs your family, they have dishonored you. And if you don't retaliate, they viewed you as a coward. So you hit me, I hit you back harder. I uh, hit you back even harder so that you don't do it again. So the fact that Peter even asked this question is pretty miraculous, uh, no matter what number he gives, because it shows he is starting to understand that Jesus calls him, Jesus calls all of us to a new way of life. And, and Peter probably, you know, pats himself on the back uh, for suggesting uh, seven times. We forget seven times because that seems like a generous a generous number. But look at how Jesus responds. He says, Jesus says, no, no, 70 times seven. 70 times seven is 490. Jesus says, forgive 490 times. But I don't think this means, you know, 491 times and, you know, you don't forgive that one. No. I think he means, I take it he means we always uh, forgive. There is no limit. And then he goes on to tell a story that teaches why. Listen to this story. Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now I want to pause here because I want you to understand how much this servant owes the king. He says he owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. Now this is 
an absurd amount of money. Scholars today calculate this would equal $2.6 billion. This is like a zillion dollars. I mean, a massive debt that this servant could never, ever repay. So at this, the servant fell on his knees before uh, the king. Be patient with me. He begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let it go. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, this this guy owes you $2.6 billion, and you say, you know what? That's okay. I canceled the debt. I let it I let it go. But that's not where the story ends. Jesus continues, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, a tiny amount, tiny amount compare in comparison. He grabbed him and began uh, to choke uh, him. Pay back, pay, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I'll pay it back. Does that sound familiar? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay uh, the debt. Can you believe it? This guy, the king just forgave this guy a zillion dollars, and he turns around and he refuses to let someone off for a tiny, tiny amount. Sounds crazy, but sometimes we act that way. Sometimes I get offended by the smallest of, of, of things. You know, I, I, I get offended. You know, somebody cuts in line in front of me or somebody lets their dog do his business on my yard and, and I can just feel my blood pressure rising. Sometimes, sometimes we're easily of offended. Well, this king finds out and he's not pleased at all. He calls for the, the servant and throws him into prison until he can pay back that $2.6 billion, which is never. And just to be clear, the king in this story represents God, and the servant represents you and me. And this story blew people away back in the first century because they had never heard this teaching uh, before. Remember, they viewed offenses between people on a line. You know, you wrong me, and you know I wrong you uh, back. But Jesus says, no, no, you need to view these offenses, these wrongs, when somebody sins against you, within a triangle. And what you need to do is you need to bring God into the equation. So Jesus redefines forgiveness here by explaining how God has forgiven all of us of this massive debt that we could never, ever repay. And if God has forgiven us of this ridiculous amount through Jesus on the cross, and we receive that gift, then Jesus makes it clear that we should always forgive others as God forgives us. We can say it this way. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Forgiven people should always be forgiven, uh, forgiving people. No more retaliating because in the kingdom of God, the courageous, noble, honorable choice is always to forgive. Now, there's many aspects to uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness removes the control the other person has over you. Uh, forgiveness means that you let go of the bitterness and the uh, anger. You stop drinking the, the, the poison, and you want, you want good for the other uh, person. But today, I want to land on this definition, that forgiveness is the choice to cancel a debt. It's not excusing it. It's not diminishing it, but it's saying, you wronged me. You owe me something, but I'm canceling that debt. Even though uh, you've done nothing to deserve it, 
Because that is what God has done for me. That's what forgiveness looks like. And every time we see it, every time we see someone uh, forgive, we see the power and the beauty of Jesus. You ever had, you ever had this happen? You ever seen someone uh, forgive something and you thought they had no business uh, forgiving that? Or maybe you thought to yourself, you know what, I don't know that I could do that. I don't think I could do that. I want to show you a short video of three very amazing women. Each of these women lost a loved one on June 9, 2015 at their, at their church in Charleston, South Carolina, when uh, Dylan Roof uh, walked into a Bible study. But he didn't walk in to study the Bible. He walked in and he opened fire and he killed nine people. I want you to see a little bit of this interview. Take a look. Three women whose lives are intertwined by fate and faith and their sheer amazing grace. Police and emergency responders are on the scene and what police confirm is a shooting inside a church in downtown Charleston. That church is known as Mother Emanuel. Today their voices are being heard, preaching about the power and purpose of forgiveness. I don't know if you guys know this, but... I don't consider you victims. I consider you teachers, three people who could teach us something. We watched you go through pain. We watched you on your knees. We watched you hug your community. And then we watched something that I feel like is a miracle. We have to forgive. Just two days after losing their loved ones, family members said they forgave the shooter. Can I forgive you? But may God have mercy on you. I know that we're all people, and you feel the same pain, and you feel the same hope. So, Polly, for you, the idea, I would think that you'd be livid, angry, want revenge, want to just take the guy by the throat, you know? I was that way at first. But then I thought about Felicia. Felicia had lost her son. And I said, if she could forgive, why are you so hard-hearted you can't forgive? So from that day on, I had a release. Because forgiveness is like, you think you're letting somebody else off the hook, but you're actually letting yourself off the hook. Because if you keep it, there's no healing with hatred. You have to love each other. That's our second commandment. You have to love each other. A like me, I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Yeah, that's amazing forgiveness, isn't it? Those are amazing women. They had so much taken from them. And it's still a process for them. They go on and they talk about that in the interview. But when you see forgiveness like that, when you see someone cancel a debt like that, it points to Jesus. And the power and the love and the healing that Jesus uh, brings. So if the goal is canceling the debt, some of us may be thinking, well, that sounds good. You know, that sounds great. But how do I actually go about doing that? So I want to offer a few practical ideas to help us. Here's the first one. You acknowledge the debt. I know that might seem elementary, but you can't cancel a debt that you don't recognize. You can't loosen your grip around something that you don't realize has a grip on you. So you need to acknowledge it. You need to call it what it is. In fact, 
When you came in today, I think you were handed uh, one of these cards. And I want to ask if you go ahead and take that out right now and grab a, a, a pen uh, from the seat back in front of you. If you didn't get one of these cards, just raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you. If you're watching online, you could just grab a piece of paper and a pen and follow along. The card says, you owe me on top of it, which is kind of like the opposite of an IOU. You owe me. I want you to think about a person who wronged you or offended you in some way. And, and what does that person, here's the question, what does that person owe you? And if you're having a hard time thinking of, of somebody, maybe this will help. Is there somebody that you don't talk to anymore? Is there somebody that you avoid? Maybe it's because that person did something to hurt you or offend you and you feel like they owe you. Think of someone who wronged you and what is their debt? What is it that is, is part, that, that is never going to be part of your life because of what that person took from you? Maybe they uh, broke your heart. Maybe they shattered your self-worth. Maybe they um, took your childhood. Maybe they stole your reputation. Maybe they, maybe they robbed you of actual income. Maybe they hijacked your marriage. What is it that they took from you? What do they owe you? Write it down. Write it down. And, and if it's too hard to write down, maybe you just write down their initials or draw some kind of symbol on the card. But write something on the card because these debts are real. Don't excuse it. Don't diminish it. Acknowledge it. Start there. And then the second part, bring God into the equation because we're never going to find freedom and peace and joy from a revenge system, from that line between you and, and me. And we're never going to find the courage and strength to love uh, and forgive on this line right here. What we've got to do is we've got to bring God into the equation. We only find freedom uh, to forgive when, when we bring God into it because he's the one who forgave us first. And so when we struggle to forgive, we can divert our attention from the line and from the other person, and we can put the focus on God, who forgave us of a massive debt that we could never repay on our own, knowing that God forgives us, provides us with the courage and the strength and the grace to stop drinking the poison and set ourselves Free. Here's something else that helps us uh, bring God into the equation. Coming up in three weeks, we've got a baptism uh, weekend. Baptism pictures how God has forgiven you. In baptism, you reenact the death and the burial and the resurrection of, of Jesus. It's a beautiful ceremony that helps you to feel forgiven. And it helps you to extend that forgiveness to others. And if you'd like to participate or if you have questions, we would love to help you. Uh, we would love to talk with you. You can stop at the Connect Wall after the service in the lobby. Don't try to forgive on your own. You need God's help. And when you bring God in, you can be honest with him. You can ask him for help. You can say, God, I don't even feel like forgiving this right now. God, would you help me to do this? God, help me to deal with this hurt the way that you uh, the way that you deal with, with us, the way that you respond to us. Bring God into the equation and allow him to empower you to cancel the debt. 
Sometimes instead of waiting and waiting until we feel like forgiving, taking a positive action step helps you to cancel the debt and forgive and set yourself free. You know, that's why Proverbs chapter 25 says, if your enemy's hungry, I'll give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. I've got a pastor friend named Gene who went through a divorce uh, many years ago that he did not want. His wife left him for another man, not just another man, a friend of his. And Gene made many attempts to reconcile, but it never happened. One day, Gene was uh, having a, a, a quiet time with God, and he read this verse. And he sensed God saying to him, you need to overcome this hatred. You need to overcome this anger. You need to cancel this debt by taking some positive action towards your enemy. And so Gene took out a, a legal pad, and he wrote a note to this guy who took his wife. And he said, because of what God has done to forgive me in my life, I forgive you. I let this go. Gene sent that letter along with a gift to this guy, and he started praying for him every day. Uh, Gene says, did it change him? I don't know. But here's what I do know. It changed me. It set him free. And today, Gene, Gene Apple leads one of the uh, most dynamic churches in the country. God's using him to change the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Maybe some of us need to write a letter or send an email this week. Or maybe start praying for that person, asking God to bless him or her. Maybe you send them a gift or show kindness to their children. Taking a positive action step will help you forgive and cancel the debt. I mean, think about how your life would change on the other side of it. Think about your, your marriage. On the other side of your bitterness and anger is a marriage with the beautiful intimacy that you have always uh, wanted, but there's no way to get there without forgiveness. On the other side of your bitterness and anger is a mom or dad that your kids have always wanted to live with. They've seen glimpses of your heart with peace and joy, but they've never lived with that person. On the other side of bitterness is freedom and better relationships and a good night's sleep. But the only way to get there is to forgive by canceling uh, the debt. So I want to give all of us uh, the opportunity in this service to cancel a debt today. Each weekend we offer communion in our weekend service. Communion reminds us of how much God has forgiven us. It reminds us when there was nothing I could do to save myself and because of my foolishness and, and rebelliousness and, and distance from God. God canceled my debt. And God said, there's room for you at my table. And communion uh, reminds us how Jesus lived this out. Take a look at these words that Jesus spoke from the cross. It says, when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. And look at what Jesus said. He actually prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are are doing. In his final moments, Jesus didn't want to die with anger or bitterness or hatred in his heart. So he got rid of them and he offered grace and mercy and forgiveness. So when we feel like we want to demand payback, we can remember that we were paid for. 
the, the communion bread reminds us of, represents Christ's body. The juice represents Christ's blood. But we're going to do communion. We're going to share communion a little bit differently today. I'm going to pray. And during this next song, we invite you to leave your row and to walk over to one of the communion stations. We've got three of them. We'll have three of them up front. We've got a couple more in the back of the uh, room. And you can pick up the communion elements and bring them back to your seat and take them when you're uh, ready. But I also want to invite you to do something with this card where you wrote somebody's name or initials or some kind of symbol on here. When you come forward to get communion, we've got these self-inking uh, stamps. And you just, you just press it down and it stamps the word canceled in, in red letters on your uh, card. So when you go to the communion table, you can uh, take your card with you and stamp canceled on it to represent that you are canceling this debt that somebody owes you and setting yourself uh, free. We're letting that go, not because we're great, but because we have a great God who said, I forgive you. And not only that, I call you my son. I call you my daughter. So I'm going to pray. And then during this song, you can make your way to one of the uh, communion stations. You can stamp your card and take it with you as a reminder. And bring the communion elements with you back to your seat. You can take those when you're ready. Let me uh, pray for us. God, thank you that our forgiveness from you is, is not based on our merit. It's not based on our performance. It's entirely based on your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for the cross symbolized by communion that forgives us completely and frees us up to live with joy peace. God, thank you for loving us with just unthinkable love. And God, would you give us the courage and power today because of your grace and love and mercy to cancel the debt that someone owes us. We want to walk in the freedom and joy and peace that you created us for. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.